Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening from. It's Blake Sorensen and Justin Dunbar back with another episode of the Inside Leverage Podcast Divisional Round of the Playoffs. It, it was pretty fun, but now we are down to our final four conference championships. And really, if you look at all these teams, it's four of the best quarterbacks from this season of football. Not surprising when you consider how valuable the position is. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that still think you can win with the defense and a running game. No, no, you can't. There's a reason why these are the four teams left. And honestly, these are my model has these teams as the top four teams. I think overall, it's pretty consensus that these are the four best teams are like remaining. Yeah. And really, if you look at where these teams spend money and put efforts into, it's a lot of the very same positions. Like these four teams might be the new uh, model of how to build your team in modern NFL. Yeah. I mean, I would throw Tampa out because mainly, I mean, the model there is get Tom Brady to come sign with you. Um, But for the other three, you know, not a ton of investment at like the linebacker position, um, a lot of depth in the secondary Tons of weapons, great quarterback, forward-thinking organizations that go for it on fourth down. Um, they don't really care about having star offensive line. They just make sure they don't have any weak links. It's just very well done and knowing where you need to be strong and where it's okay to just kind of be average. Yeah, and before we get into recapping this very fun divisional round of the playoffs, we got some head coaching stuff to talk about. Now, Brandon Staley was hired as the Chargers head coach, and you guys know I am the biggest Brandon Staley fan ever, and I don't dislike this hire, but I don't love it solely for the reason that of who was available, Joe Brady and Brian Dable. You mentioned to me before we got on here that Brian Dable was like the front runner and right ready to go ahead and take this job right away. Yeah, I let's just say that I had been spending a lot of like time imagining an offense of Justin Herbert and Brian Dable. I was all pumped up. I was I was here for it. I was ready to like go and like hammer like the chargers over for next year and then this happens brand staley is a great coach but as he said just the alternatives make this kind of questionable yeah and I, yeah and that's really what it is i mean the other guys that were there even joe brady ryan dable absolute studs and you know you gotta have a very good play caller in today's NFL or else you're just not going to be on the same tier that some teams are, you know, you have your quarterback figured out, you have playmakers on offense, you're good on defense on all the positions that you need to be good at. Like this really just with going from Brandon Staley, these guys are a playoff team without a doubt. I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the AFC, but if you would have went with, with uh, a Dable or Brady, or maybe even be enemy, you're looking at a team that, it's a little crazy to say, but I think is in the, in the contention of uh, uh, challenging Buffalo and Kansas City for a spot in the, the AFC. I mean, if they had Dable, what difference really is there between Buffalo coming into the year and them? There really isn't one. You got a quarterback who has all the physical traits, but is relatively, you know, inconsistent. You got playmakers, albeit a little bit differently. But Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, no no joke at all. You know, you have Hunter Henry instead of a dominant slot guy like Cole Beasley. you got a receiving back out of the backfield, offensive line that could still be tweaked up a little bit. And then on defense, you have a secondary that is probably better than what Buffalo is putting out there and pass rushers who could be even more dominant than the guys that are in Buffalo. 
Yeah, and honestly, Herbert right now is better, obviously better than where Allen was coming into the year. Obviously, Allen has had, like, the craziest, like, step forward imaginable. But, I mean, like, like, there's a lot going there. There's not really, like, all the Chargers need to do is get back to average on the offensive line. They don't need to be great, just not having Justin Herbert get killed and then continue to reinforce, you know, the perimeter. And there's a lot to like there as long as Justin Herbert doesn't regress. Yeah, I'm super excited for Brandon Staley to take over this defense. You know, I, I think just with the talent there and what Brandon Staley does, it's it's perfect for him. And that's probably why he was so excited to take this job. You know, he did a great job of leveraging his two dominant pieces in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and making that defense elite. That is probably not an elite defense, and we're going to see it next year. Uh, people are going to be surprised at how mediocre that Rams defense is going to be next year. Just just watch. You know, I'll, I'll, you guys can call me out on that one, but that's something I'm going to stick to. And how dominant the Chargers defense is going to be. The Chargers are probably going to have a top five defense next year. It's just a matter of can Brandon Staley get a play caller in there that is going to elevate Justin Herbert in this entire offense? That is going to determine if they're one, a playoff team, which I think they will be, and two, how far they can go into the playoffs. Because with the way their defense is assembled and you get Brandon Staley, that's a team that can win you a possession or two against Kansas City. Can that offense be dominant and put up 30-ish points a game is the question. Yeah, and I think something that also should be – the reason why I think that it's a little questionable going with Brandon Staley over um, Brian Dable too is I don't feel like the – like the you don't need an elite defense. You just need one that's average to above average, you know, and the Chargers were going to be that with just a competent defensive coordinator. In fact, like Gus Bradley's fine, but he was a little just kind of basic in his looks. You know, they, it felt like the Chargers generally kind of over, underachieved a little. I mean, and you add in like Derwin James is going to be back next year. Like, I don't think they needed Brandon Staley to be, you know, an above average defense. They did need like a Brian Dable to go to the next level and develop Justin Herbert, which is where all of their success is tied to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't hate it by any means, but I don't love it simply because of the guys that he was hired over. But looking at Staley's replacement in L.A., Raheem Morris, former defensive coordinator for the Falcons and interim head coach this year, takes the D.C. job under Sean McVay. Your thoughts? I think it's a great hire. I think he did a lot of great things with Atlanta. I wasn't on board with him being a head coach. There just wasn't really bunch of head coaches up there and as we talked about like a defensive mind in general is not the route you want to go but like he was able to leverage a pass rush there despite Grady Jarrett being his only decent rusher and on the interior that's not ideal um year especially developing some of their young secondary players despite playing some really good offenses I mean they held the Chiefs in check um they initially held Tampa and Jack down. Tampa ended up breaking out, but Tampa's really good. They had a lot of success, and he brings a lot of different blitz packages. He's been a successful defensive coordinator. He was really good in the year um, prior to this year when he took over um, halfway through the year. I don't know about you, but like I feel like Sean McVay has just continued to do a great job hiring defensive coordinators. Yeah, I think he's done a really good job. Uh, Raheem Morris, I, I don't think is a scrub, and I think he's probably one of the better defensive coordinators in the league. I'm just excited to see how he, as I mentioned with Staley, leverages his two studs. Because outside of those two guys, this defense is not exactly very good, quite honestly. You know, Leonard Floyd doesn't exactly 
strike me as a premier edge rusher. Darius Williams has, has been pretty decent over his career, but I, I think he's a pending free agent. So just the defense as a whole, how does Raheem Morris leverage those two studs? If he does a good job of it, then this Rams defense can continue to be good. Uh, I just want to see it first. You know, I'm glad they did get somebody decent to kind of come in here. So that way, I don't expect their defense to completely fall off, but I definitely think it does end up taking a step back. It's really on that offense in LA. If that offense can get back on track, then I think we're looking at another scary team in the NFC. Um, But yeah, Raheem Morris, decent signing there. And McVay, as you said, continues to bring in good defensive coordinators. I think the first defensive minded head coach that figures out how to do what McVay does with his DCs, but on the offensive side of the football, I think that is going to be the first guy who's super successful and really, really claims that franchise. I think it's the only way to have actually a defensive-minded head coach. Yeah, and I I have my pipeline idea that I mentioned on the last podcast. And also, if you can continue to just find other hires that fit the similar scheme, fit a similar philosophy and game plan, then I don't think that's really a horrible way to go either. Now, we have some rumors for one of the last two head coaching spots, and quite frankly – I wouldn't want to take either one of these head coaching spots. And Brian Dable doesn't want to either. As he said, he's, you know, Chargers job is gone. Don't feel like dealing with Carson Wentz. Although if Brian Dable ended up with Carson Wentz, maybe he's able to turn his career around. And he said, I don't want to deal with that mess in Houston. I'm probably losing the only reason I'm coming here. So Brian Dable has, you know, said I'm staying in Buffalo, which, man, Buffalo has a legit shot of going back to back with Dable returning. Yeah, that is, like, great news because we had been wondering, like, what's going to happen with Josh Allen when Brian Dable leaves? I mean, come on. Like, this is just music to their ears. They are just – I'm super excited because I want this version of Josh Allen every year. And this is – I don't want to say guarantees it, but this makes it very likely that we are not going to see regression from Buffalo next year. And you know who else loves this signing more than anybody? Hmm. Josh Allen, because he probably Uh just earned himself about $40 million a year because, you know, next year he's going to come out and ball out with Brian Dable. So Josh Allen is probably looking at like, man, thank you. You just set me up for life, Brian Dable. I love you. (laughs) Yeah. And Brian Dable, I think, is doing the right thing here. Like Houston and Philly, those are not the jobs I want. Why not just look good again? They're going to be like better, more appealing jobs probably next year. And you're going to be the top candidate again. I honestly am all in on Brian Dable, like turning down these two jobs. I would not want to like be anywhere near Houston, given where they are. And you know me, I am not touching Carson Wentz. No, yeah, you are a lot more down on Carson Wentz than I am. I, I think if if Brian Dable got his hands on Carson Wentz, we see a boost in Carson Wentz. You know? Yeah. Did you? But did you see the report that came out about Carson Wentz the Which other one? day? Which one? There's one that's saying essentially he refuses to like be coached. He's like, so like he'll like, if he screws up in practice, he'll like make an ex- a fake excuse or something. He refuses to take like criticism and stuff. It's, yeah, like I don't, you can't work with that. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Maybe he is really, you know, which, which prince is it that people say he looks like Prince Harry? Is that the one? Yeah. Maybe he really is Prince Harry and, you know, he's just trying to play some football because that sounds like some, some royal family shenanigans right there. But, Philly apparently has a guy who might be willing to take that on and it's Josh McDaniels. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Why? Like, all right. If I'm a Philadelphia, you know, GM or whatever, 
looking to hire a head coach and somebody says, yeah, I'm willing to take the job, they're automatically off my list because that shows me you have horrible judgment. If you actually want to come be the head coach here, your judgment is completely terrible. You know, you're completely off my list. McDaniels is weird because he passed up Indianapolis two years ago. Was it two years ago? Yeah, two yeah. years ago. Uh, and Indianapolis was in a 10 times better spot than what Philly is in right now. It doesn't make any sense for me from either side because Josh McDaniels isn't exactly – like we're looking at Brady right now. I think that it was Brady's offense, not really Josh McDaniels. Eh, I mean, I don't think McDaniels was – do you think – like McDaniels wasn't terrible this year. I mean – but there wasn't a lot happening there. Okay. I liked what he did. I, I liked his willingness to change and adapt the offense. However, uh, he did have a decent year in Denver, right? He was the Tebow year. Wasn't he the head coach for the Tebow year? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I guess it's not horrible, but again, it, it'll be interesting to see him with Carson Wentz. I guess this is not uh, confirmed at all. He is just labeled as the front runner right now. And then, if we want to talk about Houston for a second, they are down to nobodies, man. They're starting to interview guys like Leslie Frazier, who is the defensive coordinator in Buffalo right now, which is all fine and dandy, you know. But his his one time as a head coach, and he might have had another one, was with Minnesota. And that was when Minnesota was like bottom of the barrel, horrible. So don't exactly know what Houston is going to do in terms of hiring a head coach. Yeah, Adam Schefter said I went from the uh, least desirable job to the most undesirable. There is a difference there. Yeah. Yeah, it's brutal in Houston right now. Enough of the coaching talk. Let's get into the games, baby. We'll start Saturday afternoon, Rams-Green Bay, which, hey, it turned out to be the only game I got wrong. You went four for four this weekend, huh? I know, and, like, my model, like, had no pick really in the Rams game. Had it just, like, not had the slightest lean to, like, the Rams, like, would have been undefeated. But I will say, um, if you don't count money lines as, like, picks because that you need to get right because, you know, like, it's going to, like, long shot money lines, Mm -hmm. um, it was perfect this week. And honestly, like, the Cleveland money line almost happened. Yeah. Uh, So we'll start there. L.A., Green Bay. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Green Bay looks crazy. Uh they're good, man. They just turned through really the last super elite defense I think there is left. And, and the fact that they lit L.A. on fire like that is crazy. However, I will say this is kind of the performance that I, I said that the Rams needed on defense because, um, you know, they did a very good job for a majority of the game keeping this game alive. Right. This was not a blowout by any means until really that last uh, a touchdown to was it MVS that Aaron Rodgers got like that 40 yarder or whatever oh it was Alan Lazard Alan Lazard so after that big touchdown this game was kind of over but before that you know you know props to the Rams defense for keeping them in this game and and really this was a game where I looked at the Rams they they did everything they needed to do really and it just came down to the better quarterback who had more explosive plays because the explosive plays ended up winning green Bay this game. Whereas the Rams just had a lack of explosive plays whatsoever. And it ended up coming back to bite them. That's why they only put up 18 points on the board. Now, if Jared Goff has a healthy thumb, if Cooper cups in this game, I really do think this is possibly a Rams win. It didn't happen. Uh, Definitely huge props to Goff. I thought for what he was working with, you know, his number one guy, Cooper cup, you know, they have that good chemistry is gone. Uh, you're rocking with pretty much Robert Woods. And I love Van Jefferson and Van Jefferson showed out in this game. 
but it's just a huge, you know, your, your, your thumb is hurt on the throwing hand. Your number one guy is out. And I thought him and McVeigh actually did a pretty decent job of coming out here and just kind of working with what they had. Yeah. And golf, like it cannot be easy to have a broken thumb and then have to play in the cold. Nope. Like, he played fine in this game. I mean, the problem is the Rams are just so limited. They're not an explosive offense and good offenses beat good defenses. There's a reason like teams should learn from the fact that the Rams had probably the like historic one, of the historically best defenses I've seen in some time. And they still were a, like a six seed who needed a like just terrible Seattle performance to win a playoff game. And then just got boat raced here. I'm I not like say. saying I'm I it's, all I'm saying is essentially, like, you know how hard it is to do what, like, the Rams did this year, and that's pretty much all they get out of it? Like, that is kind of my point. Yeah, I do want to defend two players on the Rams who are getting just unnecessarily shit on. Jalen oh. Ramsey. Let's mm-hmm. talk about Jalen Ramsey for a second. Everybody, look, I think it came down to Jalen Ramsey's stat line was six receptions on six targets, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Against Devontae Adams. Okay, just think about that for a second. Yes, Green Bay won. Green Bay was not, like, the Rams did what they had to do. They said, look, we're going to take away Devontae Adams, who was the best player on this offense outside of Aaron Rodgers, and I think they did a decent job. The touchdown, everybody wants to crap on Jeff. He's throwing a temper tantrum in the end zone. No, he's pissed off because his guy, 33, don't even know who he is. 33 did not switch. That's a switch call. Look, I don't care who you are. You could be prime. Deion Sanders, and you're probably not making a play on Adams on that one. That is a an insanely good play call by Green Bay. Uh, I saw it on Kadarius Tony when I was watching film on him. He ran it for a touchdown on the goal line. This is a play that it's starting to take over on the goal line and be scary. And why Ramsey was so frustrated, I texted one of my buddies who's a Packers fan, and I was like, man, how many times have you guys run that this season? Because I'm trying to figure out, is this on Brandon Staley? For not, you know, watching the film. Is this on uh, 33 for not switching? Is this on just a great play call by Green Bay because they've never called him before? He was like, nah, we, we called it a couple times earlier in the season on the goal line right there, but maybe like four or five times. So then I'm like, okay, is it Brandon Staley's fault? Because you put something on tape four or five times in the NFL, teams are going to key in on that. I mean, especially a goal line play like that. So now I'm like, okay, is it Brandon Staley's fault? And then I think about it, why would Ramsey be so upset? If they hadn't installed that play multiple times in practice and they knew it was coming in on the goal line. Look, that's not Ramsey's fault. You can look at the one where uh, Ramsey or Adams takes outside leverage and then boom, cuts inside and completely dusts him. That one, yes, that's on you, Ramsey. The other five receptions on you. But that one touchdown is not Ramsey's fault. And you take that away and you're looking at what? Five receptions, five targets, about 53 yards and no touchdowns. Ramsey, man, you did what you had to do on Devontae Adams, in my opinion. Yeah, that was a great play call. And, like, they, you know, on, like, Twitter, like, uh, the ESPN people, they put out, like, the plays you can see, but it's all, like, in just, like, the – was one of the worst reads by 33 I've, like, seen in some time. Yeah, it, it needs to be a switch call on that one. And Ramsey clearly had the switch call, you know. But then we could get into how amazing that play is and all the counters and that, but we're not going to get into that today. And then the other guy I want to defend – because I didn't even know it was possible to slander this man. And I have just been seeing social media blow up. Aaron Donald, what is up with all this Aaron Donald slander? I need anybody who has even just like denounced the name of Aaron Donald to just shut up. 
Shut up, okay? The man was playing with what? Rib cartilage or whatever. It was high pain, right? At the, at the end of the day, it was a pain tolerance thing, okay? And that's gonna, like, that's really gonna affect your pain. If you have throbbing pain in your midsection, you're getting hit every single play. This isn't a cornerback, you know, who you can just put the glove, like the, the if he breaks his hand, you put the mitt on. This is something that's getting affected every play. Boom, hands, boom, hands, shoot inside, shoot inside, you know? And everybody's like, oh, he's crying after the game. He's a baby. No, he's a competitive dude who was frustrated that he couldn't barely play in the second half because he was in so much pain and because he wasn't being productive. Do you know how horrible that is to be one of the, the most dominant player in your sport, probably since like Randy Moss and like not being able to be yourself. That's frustrating in its own right because he wasn't himself. And then everybody wants to, oh, he was playing dirty. He got into it with Elton Jenkins, dude. Anybody who says he was being dirty and not being frustrated because he's not being able to play to his high level, like that's frustration. That's like if Justin and I got on here to do a podcast and I have a cold and I can barely talk. Do you know how frustrating that would be? Or if if I only knew 50% of the words I was trying to say for some reason, I just forgot half my vocabulary. That would be so frustrating. I would be irritated. I'd be slamming my fist, you know, everything. When you are not able to perform to a level that you were used to, and you're getting you're like you were used to that elite level. And now not because of your fault, because of an injury, you can't play at that level. Now, I want to shout out Elton Jenkins. Dude, you played the football game of your life, man. You clamped up Aaron Donald, albeit a hurt Aaron Donald. So hats off to Elton Jenkins. But if you're out here slandering Aaron Donald for playing in the condition that he was in and crying after the game, just get the hell out of here, man. Yeah, I could not agree more. I mean, that is going to be the worst feeling to just like – feel like like you couldn't give everything you had just because of this injury and just props to him for playing like yeah you know that's gotta be so just painful mm-hmm. yeah so I, I don't want to hear any of that slander on really either of those guys especially like Ramsey you can you can slander him because he's Jalen Ramsey and he's a pain in the ass trust me I, I'm the biggest Ramsey hater on the planet uh for off the field stuff and all the trash talking I'm glad to see that he's in Cabo but I thought he did both of them did really well for the circumstances now let's shift to Green Bay. Wow. Green Bay went in there and said, Brandon Staley, we know what you're going to do. We don't care. You know, you want to limit explosive plays? You can limit explosive plays for three quarters. I'm still Aaron Rodgers. I'm still going to get my explosive plays. He did a very good job in that first half of being a surgeon. Aaron Rodgers just cut here, cut here, cut here. It, it was very methodical and very nice from LaFleur and Rodgers for a majority of this game until finally at the end, they burst at like two or three big plays and it ended up winning them the game. Yeah, I've been saying that um, the Matt LaFleur is one of like the best head coaches in the NFL. I'm hoping this postseason is starting to show what I've been talking about. Yeah, it was just a spectacular performance from both of those guys. You know, they didn't like they didn't say, hey, you know, Adams is our offense. We don't care if Jalen Ramsey's on him. We're going to go to him. Six targets for Devontae Adams in a game is really unheard of. So the fact that they said, hey, we, we got to pretty much go away from this and use Adams where we can, I, I just loved the willingness for them to adapt and to change. Just spectacular overall from Green Bay. And this one, they are looking very scary heading into their next matchup against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, um, and we'll get to the Bucks. There are some things that, if the Bucks don't change, like Green Bay could be on their way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, we're going to have a lot to say in the preview podcast on Friday because I have some claims. I have some pretty, 
pretty crazy stuff that I, I want to go ahead and say, but that's more of a preview thing than, than a recap thing. So I will save it for Friday. Now we will go to that night game and uh, I hate being this guy. I, I really do. But I told you so. I told all of you at home. If you were like, yeah, uh, Lamar Jackson just going to run all over these guys. Nope. 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 I, I like, I'm not, I'm not a big, I told you so, but I told you so on this one guys, because I think it boils down to one thing and one point about why the NFL has changed the way it has and why offenses are how they are today. It is 10 times harder to stop a good passing offense than it is to stop a good running offense. Do you want to know why? Because with a running offense, you have an identity usually right outside, outside run scheme. Okay. Outside zone, that type of thing. Maybe you want to run counter. Maybe you want to run a lot of power run scheme. Those kind of go together a little bit. If you can key in on how to stop that one aspect of the running game, you've screwed up their offense. Buffalo did that. Buffalo said, damn, man, get out of here. They had a little success on the first drive. Thankfully, Justin Tucker missed a kick if you're a Bills fan. And then he missed another one earlier. Like they were doing a decent job of running the ball early on. And then it stopped after that. Right? It's so much easier to stop a running game because there's only so many things you can do out of the running game. Now, a good passing game. Oh my God, you have three to five guys running around on every single play. And that route can be one of nine, right? There's nine routes in the route tree. That can be one of nine things. And then you get into the combination routes. You get into option route. It is so hard to stop five guys on one play. So the passing game is just 10 times harder to stop than a good running game. And if this was any indication of, this was a matchup that everybody thought, oh, look, the Ravens are just going to gouge these guys. No, it is so easy to adapt and stop a run game. You can't stop a great passing game. You just can't. Look at Green Bay. And wasn't this the second straight week that Baltimore was facing kind of these – because we always see blitzes and it's all about getting after the quarterback. But this is the second straight week that Baltimore was facing run blitzes specifically. Tennessee did this to them a little. And it's interesting that they still weren't able to adapt because Buffalo kind of did this to them last year. And I'm a little underwhelmed that like Greg Roman didn't have some like way to counteract that. Yeah, Greg Roman, rough game for him. However, we do got to pray somebody. Pray <laughs> if we were both shitting on this dude coming into the game. Wink Martindale. Round of applause for you, man. There were like he brought the pressure a couple of times, but ultimately he held Buffalo to 10 points. Like, let's think about that for a second. He held Buffalo to 10 points. He adapted in the way that we said he needed to adapt to. Wink Martindale, man, I am, like, pleasantly surprised. That was a very spectacular performance. Yeah, though I will say that that looks a lot worse if Josh Allen hits a couple deep bombs that are available. But given the circumstances and the way the wind was, it was perfect for Wink Martindale to go with his kind of aggressive style um, defense because Buffalo couldn't connect down the field. Yeah. And I'll, I'll definitely, you know, I I'm very proud for what he did in this one. And for Buffalo, uh, maybe you're like me who my, my, my knee jerk reaction was to say Buffalo only scored 17 points against Baltimore. This is kind of scary. There were probably three elite elite defenses in my opinion left. The Rams, the Ravens, and then New Orleans because of that front. It's just domination. Dennis Allen even. We'll talk about that front in a minute. But those are the three defenses that, like, really struck fear in me. Now you get defenses that are kind of manufactured the way defenses should be. And I think that all of the defenses left are kind of a cut below what those three guys were. So, yes, you only scored 10 points, really, not 17. But I'm not too worried because I don't think I have to face another defense of Baltimore's caliber. 
Yeah, the and like we said, right? Like the wind was crazy. Like Josh Allen was like barely missing. That's not going to happen every week. Like the fact that the Bills were able to get the bad Josh Allen game out of the way. I wouldn't say bad, but like average game out of the way and still win and move, like that's testament to them. Tremendous roster. Yeah, and the funny thing about this game was you saw how if you were monitoring Twitter in this one, you could see how every person thinks about offensive play calling. There were two parties in this one when you were watching the game. Run the ball. Why aren't you running the ball? You didn't run the ball once in the entire half. What are you doing? And then you switch to the party who's like, I love it. I love it. Don't ever, don't even think about Zach Moss getting in this game. Don't even think about Devin Singletary. And it ended up in the second half. They started running the ball a little bit more. However, that, in my opinion, is how the run game should be working in 2021 and going forward. Make your passing game so dominant that it opened up your running game. Not the opposite approach. Tennessee, I mean, you guys are the one that do this most. Do not set up your run game. To, to help your passing game out, do it the opposite. Because I think it's still possible to have a dominant running attack in, in 2020s, but it's not going to be through the actual run attack. It's going to be as kind of a supplement for passing game. You're just tearing them up. Now we'll go ahead and run and we'll get chunk plays. And Devin Singletary showed off some, some nice flashes in this one. Yeah, this was awesome. I just And the fact is um, for all the like play, run to set up play action, yeah, uh, Buffalo was able to have a ton of success off of play action without running the ball once. Yeah. I just – I'll never understand that, right? Like, you're a defense. Defense is reactionary. So, if you see a quarterback fake giving the ball to a running back, you're going to think, oh, it's a run. Like, no matter how, if they ran or not, it's just the way, like, your mind processes it. It's, yeah. I don't – I've never understood that argument. And shout out to the Bills. They – um, a lot of people like to, like, put out, like, different, like, um graphics of like the early down success rates and all these like stats but um it broke the system because they hadn't called a run play it was the funniest thing i've like ever seen yeah and linebackers are almost always taught to take read steps you know yeah. even like a read you take a read step no matter what and then if it's a run you key in a little bit more so the fact that you like you don't really need the running game to set up the play action because at the end of the day if it's first and ten they haven't run the ball. Now you're probably thinking, shit, man, this is the time that they run the ball. It's just. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. I mean, I it's especially for like some quarterbacks, I think need help with the running game. Like I, my Kirk Cousins argument. I don't think Kirk, you could throw Kirk Cousins in a Patrick Mahomes offense and watch him succeed because I, I think there's just some guys that, that aren't capable of being the guy on offense, like running it. So, so some guys, I, I get it. But guys like Josh Allen, there's no way that you need this 17 carries in a game or whatever you wanted them to run with. Josh Allen can just sling that thing and get them 17 carries himself. Yeah, the in my opinion, rushing offense should be completely tied to your quarterback. So if you have Lamar Jackson, like running the ball gets you positive expected points added. So that makes sense. Justin Fields is probably going to be another example of this when he's in the NFL, even though he's super talented as a passer. But, like, if you can just pass the ball and have success, what are you doing? Like, a bat, like, this was not a great game from Buffalo. They averaged yards per attempt passing the ball. Well, a good rushing offense gets four yards per attempt. Yeah. And what was that number again that you said before that? Because you cut out a little bit. Uh, 5.9 yards per attempt Buffalo averaged. Yeah, that's solid. The fact that this was kind of KC ish because, you know, a couple games this year we've gotten not. 
Patrick Mahomes Mahomes, and they were able to pull away with a win. That was kind of how this game was. You didn't get Josh Allen that should be an MVP candidate. You got Josh Allen that was the the okay quarterback. And like I said, the fact that Josh Allen did not implode in like this conditions against this defense, I think is huge. Just looking at his progression as a quarterback, you know, sophomore year, Josh Allen would have probably nearly been getting tackled and tried to lateral this thing out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. Cause when he had bad games in the past, the main thing Josh Allen did was like try to like play hero ball and just kind of like overcome everything. But he stayed, especially, and then I don't think it's like a, Oh, I'm having a bad game as much as I need to come through for my team here and like um, move the needle. But, you know, he kept playing his game here, kept just, feeding Stephon Diggs underneath. Um, Stephon Diggs, can I just say, I think right now might be like the most, one of the more underrated receivers. Like, I don't feel like people talk about how, his season the way they should have. Yeah, it's my, my top three for the season. Diggs, uh, Hill, and D-Hop. Those, are, those have been the th- – oh, no, Adams, Adams, sorry. Take off uh, Adams, number one, Diggs, number two, and then probably like Tyreek Hill, number three. And yeah, I mean, there's a huge debate on who number three is, but you need to have Diggs and Adams. Yeah, those are easily the best, too. And then, like, he's – you know how we talk about the best receivers in football? Like, it's that it's those five guys, a slant boy, um, fast boy, um, contested catch boy. Um, who's the other one? Uh, Julio Jones and then Devontae Adams, route running boy. Um, notice how everybody's a boy except for Julio Jones because he's a damn man. Uh, I think t- uh, Stefan Diggs should like be six. Like who else would you throw at six in this conversation now? I mean, no, like, and I've seen, so this is a fun little thing and I don't want to get into this too much, but I've seen a lot of Vikings fans like saying, Oh, well, you know, the Stefan Diggs trade like worked because we got Justin Jefferson. Can you imagine if the Vikings would have kept Stefan Diggs? Like that's just a random theory, I mean, but they thought, this is like what Stephon Diggs was always capable of in a pass-heavy offense, and I just want to say good for Stephon Diggs for finally getting what he deserves. Yeah, and he wanted to be the focal point of an offense. That's kind of why he wanted to, to get out of Minnesota, and really he's evolved in his usage, right? In Minnesota, he was largely just a deep threat. You know, Adam Thielen kind of covered everything else. Now he's in Buffalo, and they use him as like the wide receiver. The offense runs through him. So he's doing everything in the passing game now. Love to see Stephon Diggs leveling up. But I don't think Minnesota necessarily lost this trade either because give Justin well, Jefferson a year. And I think Well, what I will say is the fact is the only reason it's an even trade is because they got a once-in-a-lifetime prospect at 22. Yeah. Like 10 times out of 10, Minnesota should not make that trade because you're not like going to get Justin Jefferson. Yeah, but I think if you're looking at what Stephon Diggs was kind of – like the receiver he was in Minnesota at that time. But, you know what I mean? It's like, like we could look at uh, um, Buffalo, Stefan Diggs, and we're probably never getting that in Minnesota, you know? But that's the, but that's the problem in and of itself is that you had this player the whole time and you underused them. It's not necessarily that Stefan Diggs, like in Minnesota was as valuable as he's been in Buffalo. It's that you had this player the whole time and you just misused them. And that's always, it's always a what if that you just wish you could have like tapped into. Yeah. Now we will head to Sunday morning. Kansas City got by, got by against Cleveland, 22 to 17. A lot to talk about in this game. But first, let's talk about the the very controversial thing that that fumble out of the back of the end zone. Oh my. Uh oh, where do I start? Okay. First of all, 
seen people doing this for some weird reason, shaming, uh, was it Higgins, right? Rashad Higgins? Yeah. For extending the ball. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because like, I want my dude to extend the ball and try to get that touchdown. The, the frustrating part about this one, I get that helmet to helmet is non-reviewable. And I don't want it to be reviewable either because if we've reviewed helmet to helmet or even like targeting on every single, like if we could review that, I think that every game would be filled with those type of reviews 10 times a game and probably like three to four ejections every game. I don't want this to turn into college football, not by any means. So I don't necessarily want that to be reviewable. What is reviewable though? Turnovers, right? Turnovers are reviewable. So if when you are reviewing a turnover and it happens that in the review of the turnover, you find out, Hey, an illegal action was taken to cause this turnover because the, the act of the targeting hit and the losing of the football were relatively simultaneous in my opinion. So I'm looking at this from the perspective of that targeting call caused that fumble. Like, you know, if, if something is done in the turnover, like turnovers are reviewable. You should be able to review if an illegal action was done to cause that fumble. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the problem is like we need rep and I hate to just pin this on referees, but at some like there just needs to be some sort of consistency here. Um, I do agree that like if you made head to head reviewable, the big problem is you're gonna have like so many controversial cases and it's gonna almost be like if you reviewed offensive holding. Exactly. Like every play every play could be um, a holding, which by the way, they start calling holding again like a bunch in the playoffs. Like stop doing that. Yeah. Um but yeah, I agree with that. I don't like the way I don't really think either side is right in the argument. I think this is like kind of a no win like situation. Yeah. And a lot of people are airing their frustrations with the rule of like touchback and the, the defense's ball. I don't, that's not the huge thing that frustrates me. It's a weird rule, not a huge fan of it, but that's not really where my frustration was in this penalty. No. And, and, and so yeah. I will say, um, Higgins should not have extended the ball because you're not really in desperation to score there because if you score, you're just giving Kansas City the ball back. They're probably just going to go match a t- you for a touchdown anyway. See, you, like, you say that, but then they held him to 22 points. I mean, partially because of a reason we'll get into in a second. But, you know, I, I don't have too much frustration with him. The one thing I will say, though, Cleveland fans, you did not lose because of this call. I do not want to hear a single Cleveland fan. It's just, it's my same frustration with the Saints fans a couple of years ago with that Rams call. Like, yes, that Rams call was complete bull crap and it screwed you over. However, you get the ball first in overtime. You are like in your own fate now and you screwed it up. Okay. So it's like, I mean, that's a little different because the Saints one was essentially like, if they call it, the game's over. Like the, the Browns want to happen in the first half, right? Like yeah. there's so many, like, if the Browns scored, then probably Kansas City is, you know, turning it up even more to, like, score more points. So, there's all these hypotheticals. I, I sometimes have sympathy. Now, I still don't have sympathy that much for the Saints because you're right. They did get the ball first in overtime. And all they had to do was stop the Rams at the end of the game and they would have won. Mm-hmm. But I will say that people, like, who get mad at, like, say, a call in the first half is like way worse than like at least the, like at least the Saints had some proof on had they called like Browns fans what are you doing and you know what Browns fans you have nobody to be frustrated with except for your team 
three why are you frustrated as a browns fan like this is a hell of a season yeah but even then i'd be pissed off if i was a browns fan right now because i have the ball with an opportunity to go down and score and i go three and out and then i give the ball to chad fucking henny and he converts a third and 13 like he's lamar jackson that right there i'd be pulling my hair out and just be just horribly mad okay wait sorry he didn't convert the third and 13 but he got close close enough to even constitute going for that and the fact that 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 call was really predictable by andy reed from from my point of view i thought it was a good job you know because on the field everybody's probably thinking run 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 but he started uh williams i think was the running back started him as a receiver on the left side motions him down it's clearly man coverage he knows what he has coming and then he just ran a stick pattern to the right side it was you know, he saw the man coverage. He knew Tyreek Hill was going to get enough separation to extend that thing out. Beautiful call by Andy Reid. I wanted him to do nothing less but go for that. But the fact that you even allowed Chad Henney to do that to you in the situation you had him in, it's just downright horrible. And at the end of the day, Cleveland, the only people you can be frustrated with is yourself. Yeah, and I will say it shows how, like, NFL, like, we're trained to think that people are like, oh, fourth and inches. Like, Andy Reid, he's clearly just trying to draw him off sides. They're going to punt and risk losing the game. No, you go for it. It's You need an inch. Yeah. It's an inch. Like, come on. Yeah. And even then, you give the ball back to Cleveland with, what, a minute 20 from midfield with no timeouts? I kind of like those odds. I kind of like those odds, you know, especially with how Cleveland's offense runs, right? They don't have many playmakers right now, pretty much down to Jarvis Landry. So, you know, I'm forcing you guys to run an offense that they're not usually used to. Just the whole situation just screamed to go for it. I will say, though, um, some people were surprised that Andy Reid threw the ball. And why? Um, not even for the fact that it's Andy Reid, but for the, for the simple fact of, of thinking about it. Um, if I'm going for it to decide the fate of the game, do I want the ball in my best player's hands and one of the best players in the league? Or do I want the ball in the hands of some third string mediocre running back, you know? And that was the most, that's such an unstoppable play. Like, I, I don't know if that play can ever fail. Like it's so foolproof. Yeah. It's yeah. It, because look, you, you may be thinking he put the ball in that, the hands of Chad Henney. No, 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 no. He put the ball in the hands of Tyreek Hill. You know, it's like if, Derrick Henry is my best player, which I don't, uh, you know, I'm rather going to AJ Brown in that situation. But if you have your best player as a running back, like the Saints, say Thomas is hurt and you have Kamara, maybe I'm not running the ball with him, but I'm making sure that whatever I do, I'm getting the ball into Kamara's hands, who is my best player. Or just do a QB sneak. That's honestly the fourth and inches play that I'm still shocked that more teams don't do. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even know how you stop it quite frankly like that is a tough play there was one wasn't there one earlier in this game with baker mayfield where he ran the sneak or was it somebody else because i think there was another one in this game where i was watching it and i was like that's qb sneak and then they ran the qb sneak and my little brother was like what how'd you even know that was coming it's like dude when you when you just watch football for a long time and you kind of see what they're trying to they tried to make them think it was power right and then they just quarterback sneaked it right into that a gap quarterback sneak gets very uh noticeable once you get used to it now we look at Sunday afternoon slash nightish. This was honestly the weirdest time for like a game ever. I was very confused as whether I was supposed to be getting the the afternoon Fox feeling or the Sunday nightish feeling. It was just really weird. I hated the timing. Hate you for that NFL. Um, I hope both of these teams could go home and that we could get Cleveland back for another week because Cleveland would be ten times more entertaining to watch than either of these two guys. Um, and yes, I did pick Tampa Bay to go to the Super Bowl. Not anymore. 
wow, Tampa Bay, so undeserving of this win. What, what, you, what's your big thing that you were saying to me? You were putting it on Twitter. You were texting me about it, about the quarterback situation for the Saints. Yeah, I mean, Drew Brees couldn't play. Those, like, Drew Brees won Tampa Bay the game. There's no other way around it. And sucks that, like, they say, like, you know, it's like the common thing is I'm going to keep playing until my arm falls off. That happened. Yeah, Drew Brees' arm fell off probably about a year and a half ago. Quite frankly, yeah, he has he hasn't been much for a while. And you were even saying you were like, man, Jameis Winston's in this game. The Saints probably win by twenty. I don't even think that's like a crazy take. Uh, I don't think it is because like like Jameis Winston should have been playing since Drew Brees got hurt. And if he is, then the Saints are probably my Super Bowl favorite. You know, I mean, so, we don't know what yeah. type of Drew Brees would be getting or Jameis Winston would be getting. I guarantee you, it's probably a pretty decent one because he's with a guy who won a couple games with Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill. Think about that for a second, you know? So it's like, I think he could get the best out of Jameis and you saw, he made a very good throw down the field on that touchdown. Just want to say, um, everyone's talking about all oh, the quarterbacks. They're all like blah, blah, blah. And talking about all the great quarterbacks um, left. Jameis Winston, 56 yards per attempt, maybe. Yeah. Like uh, that is Brady. I, I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe that that was the only Jameis Winston play in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, uh, how you're going to win this game is if Jameis Winston ends up coming in this game because you're down by a lot. And there were no eating W's in, in, in the face of Tampa Bay players. There was no crab leg stealing. Just one beautiful throw. And I really don't know why after that, Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael didn't look at that and say, we need a lot more of that. And I understand it's his last game, but when you fall behind by 10, like – just try to get Breeze one more game then, like, put Jameis in. I don't think Breeze would have, like, taken it the wrong way. It's probably less embarrassing for Breeze than going out there and continuing to throw interceptions. Yeah, it was just – oh, yeah. Sean Payton, like, I don't think this is a a, a Doug Peterson-ish move that he made. However, I think this is a huge failing on the part of Sean Payton. I'm not saying that he needs to be on a hot seat or anything, but this was a, a rough move not to go to Jameis Winston at all during the course of the season, in my opinion. And look, yes, maybe he was like, I want to get Drew Brees his ring. How about focus on getting yourself a ring because the wheels are about to fall off on this team and you sure as hell aren't winning a ring probably in the next three, four years with what this team is going to look like. It's going to get ugly. I don't know who's going to be back next year. I think I, I tweeted this. I think this was the obviously it's the end of Breeze. I think this was the end of Michael Thomas. I think this is the end of Marshawn Lattimore. Um, like Sanders is going to be cut. Right? Like Janoris Jenkins is going to be cut. Marcus Williams is a free agent. He's gone. Like they're going to be stripped. Of, Trey Hendrickson's a free agent. He's gone. They're like, we'll see if they even have money for Ryan Ramchek, who needs an extension. This could get really ugly. I saw something that said if they cut every single player on their team, now it might have been Breeze if he was still on there, but he's probably retiring, so that contract just kind of goes away. If they would have cut everybody on their team, they would have been negative in the salary cap. Still. So it doesn't go away, though. He still hasn't – because they've been pushing the can down the road, uh, he's still going to be charged for a cap hit. And if they trade Michael Thomas – he's charged for a cap hit because they've been pushing the can down the road. And if you're doing this, you, I mean, you cannot be um, trading picks like to an addition, like if they had a bunch of draft picks right now, that'd be something. 
But, like, they're going to have to get some draft picks back for Thomas and Lattimore and all these guys. Yeah, and, like, I, I think it's a failing on Sean Payton's part because this was really the last-ditch effort for this team, in my opinion. And I don't think it's outlandish to say at all, Jameis Winston at least gives you a better chance to win a Super Bowl, more than what Drew Brees has If Jameis so – a lot of people think that, okay, well, Jameis is still the guy, and I do think that he's going to go with Winston over Taysom Hill. And the thing is, they did go 3-1 and one with Taysom Hill. They're going to go 4-0. and oh. If they go 4-0 oh with Jameis Winston, they're the one seed. They're playing. They're hosting the NFC Championship next week. Yep, and they probably beat Tampa Bay with what Tampa Bay was doing in this one. Now we Well, got- they wouldn't even have to play Tampa Bay, right? Because they would have been the one seed. They get Jared Goff all injured. They win. They are able to win the, like a defensive like grudge match. Yeah. And then they're playing Green Bay next week um, in New Orleans instead of Green Bay. Yeah. Now let's talk about Tampa Bay. I really don't want to because they were my Super Bowl pick. Not anymore. They're probably going to get crucified on Sunday because Bruce Arians continues to be one of the worst. He's probably the worst coach that still has a job. Like, just in the NFL, Bruce Arians is horrible, complete trash. I mean, I don't even, like, it's run, run, pass. It's run, run, pass. And not even, like, there is very little, like, variation. It's run, run, pass with some of the best playmakers and one of the best quarterbacks in football. It makes no sense whatsoever. No, it's It was the worst play calling I've ever seen. And I saw something on Twitter. This He lost the third most win probability, like, since they've been tracking this ever by kicking. There was like, I was um, like, there was a moment in this game, like there was fourth and one at like the five yard line yes. and he kicks a field goal. Like what? There was multiple easy fourth downs where he punted. Like, what are you doing? Like, this yeah. is embarrassing. It's, it makes no sense. He's not, he's not aggressive enough, you know, whatsoever, you know, whether if maybe you're a little bit more on the conservative side and you're like, Hey, you know, we shouldn't be going for it on every fourth down, you know? Okay. Whatever. But I think even you can look at it and say, what the hell is Bruce Arians doing not going for, like, a single fourth down in this one? Run, run, pass. Why like, why are you run, run, passing against a very good front seven? And with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, newsflash, they both kind of suck. They both, like, Ronald Jones ended up breaking a couple runs later in this ballgame. Later in this ballgame. Again, I bet you Ronald Jones has a lot more broken – and a lot better of a yards per carry if you are featuring the passing game and then mixing in Ronald Jones here and there. Generally, when the defense is telling you to do something, you're not supposed to just do it. So when defenses are saying, run the ball, we'll play uh, two safeties deep, that doesn't mean, oh, let's just run the ball. That's how you get the Seahawks. That's how you get the Bucks here. And that's how you're not the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and it's so frustrating because I really do think Tampa has a legit shot of winning this Super Bowl if Bruce Arians is gone. Don't even have a head coach. Just have Tom Brady do everything, and this is probably a Super Bowl-winning team. But they're not because they can't play call to save their lives, and they can't make decisions on fourth down to save their lives. So they're going to waltz into Lambeau Field on Sunday and just get absolutely sent to slaughter. And it's going to be – And it's going to be against a bad run defense in the cold. You know Bruce Arians is running the ball every chance he gets. Yeah, it's just so idiotic. It's so – like, and you – Tampa, other than – they're very well equipped to beat Green Bay because Green Bay, you know, frustrate them on offense a little bit, which I think they're going to do with their blitz packages. However, they blitzed the crap out of Rodgers in the first one. You don't think Rodgers knows – 
every single thing you're going to throw at him because you're probably going to try to go with what worked because Todd Bowles isn't exactly like Mr. Innovative and switch everything up. Todd Bowles is going to do what Todd Bowles has done for like the last 10 years. So yeah, Aaron Rodgers probably knows exactly what you're going to throw at him. And I don't think this coaching staff is going to say, we got to switch stuff up. We can't just throw what worked out there for the most part. It's going to be a rough one on both sides of the ball for Tampa, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you don't think like, it's okay. You can play, you know, aggressive against a Michael Thomas who apparently needs multiple surgeries. That's how injured he was playing in this game. Let's see how Carlton Davis does like isolated against Devonte Adams. It's going to be a jolly good time to watch. And like, look, we're talking about Tampa just because of what they've showed us, right? They could come out here with just a beautiful game plan and beat green Bay. But can I make that assumption from what they've shown me the last couple of weeks? No. Anybody that picks Tampa Bay beating Green Bay is just a huge believer in Tom Brady or a little bit foolish because there's no way you can look at the product that we've seen on the field. And I don't know how anybody comes to the conclusion of Tampa Bay beating Green Bay on this Sunday. I've actually seen people think that they're going to win just because of the running game, which I find very funny that that would be the reason. And like I said, I think Tampa can win if Tampa does a full 180 of what they've showed me this entire season, except for, you know, the good Tampa was the Tampa that was playing crappy defenses and let their offense flow like it should be doing. Why don't you just play that exact same brand of offense against good defenses? Because newsflash, you have Tom Brady, you have Antonio Brown, Godwin, Evans, and, and Gronk and Cameron Brait. You can, you can mutilate whatever defense you want. Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay just did it with a lot less than you got, Tampa Bay, against a way better defense than you're going to play at all. Why don't you do it, Tampa Bay? Just so frustrating because they could be great. I guess Bruce Arians just doesn't want to. That wraps it up for the recap, guys. Yeah, I mean – Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. Get your last word out. Get your last word I out. was just going to say, there are four head coaches left. Has there ever been a bigger, like, this guy doesn't belong than Bruce Arians with the other coaches? No, not at all. And the, the frustrating thing is I would rather see Cleveland KC another week rather than see Bruce Arians just throw the, 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 the same mind boggling stuff. And you know what? The, I think the most frustrating thing is I think in, in a simpleton's mind, it's, it's worked. They're 11 and five. They're in the NFC championship game. They just beat a good team in the saints. But when you really break it down and look at it, there's no way these guys are even on the same level as this final, as the other final three teams, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you beat the you beat the Saints, but you were in the fourth quarter. You were like barely beating them, and you had a plus four turnover differential. I was about to say. The Bucs don't win this game if Jared Cook doesn't fumble the football. I know. I was about to say, this is probably the one game that I could look at and say that defense probably won this game, whether you want to call it good defense or crappy offense from the Saints. But, yeah, Tampa Bay's defense stepped up. And if it isn't for those guys just unleashing and giving it everything they've got, then Tampa Bay is probably losing this game. Yeah, I mean, it was hilarious. Like, you could tell right away, too, that it was going to up New Orleans' defense caught him again. Yep. So, yeah, that officially wraps it up for the previews or the recaps for Divisional Round. Justin and I, actually, if this podcast is a little bit shorter, which it was planned to be, Justin and I got some cool stuff planned for the YouTube channel and also for the podcast form. So make sure you guys, because it's going to come out on YouTube before it comes out in podcast form. 
So make sure you guys go subscribe to the YouTube STB Sports on YouTube. Justin and I got some fun stuff planned. We don't want to spoil it. The first segment should be coming out tomorrow. It's going to be good times, Justin, man. It's it's pretty awesome what we're going to be doing, right? Yeah, this um, trust me, guys. You're going to want to stay tuned in for this. It is good time. So make sure you guys go check out the YouTube um, and yeah, get excited for it, man. If the podcast was a little bit shorter today and you're looking like, hey, man, why did I get so short this time? That is why we got some awesome content. We're about to go record it right now. So I'll keep the, the outro short as it's already been kind of long, I assume. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Peace and love.